Welcome to the Global Discussion, discussions with creatives, leaders and thinkers. My name's Simon Hodgkins. Pleasure to be joined today by Fiona Walsh. Fiona, you're very welcome to the podcast. Let's begin by asking you to introduce yourself and what you do to our international audience. So over to you, Fiona. Thank you. And thanks, Simon, for having me. So my name is Fiona Walsh and my business is Empower Presentations and I am a PowerPoint and presentation specialist. So I have my own company where I train other organisations how to use PowerPoint properly, shall we say, because I find that organisations tend to have training in areas like Excel, for example. So usually staff have had some sort of training in that area. But when it comes to PowerPoint, they tend to have learned from the person sitting next to them or, you know, somebody they're working with rather than having formal training. So what I do is I help them learn to use PowerPoint properly. And I very often find that people within the first few minutes go, oh, my God, that's a game changer. You know, something that is a quicker way of doing something or, you know, they just didn't know that something existed. And they were doing something maybe a, a long winded way or a much slower way. Yeah, and it, it's such a, a well used, well known tool in the mm -hmm. business world. Um, organizations and individuals use it on a global basis it's a really successful product in its own right but I think just from my observation people only use maybe a very small percentage of what it can actually do and mm -hmm. when you see somebody that knows a little bit about how to make a presentation compelling engaging informative uh, mm -hmm. to use text correctly, to use maybe transitions in a better way, uh, all that good stuff. A, a really good delivered presentation can make all the difference to the end result. So what what are some of the sort of bad practices that you see and what are some Ooh. of the more common <laughs> things that you find yourself talking to your clients, yeah. customers about around the world, Fiona? Well, it's interesting you say that, Simon, because although I'm a PowerPoint professional and that's what I train in and I'm also a certified Microsoft trainer, it's not just about PowerPoint. There's more to it than that, a lot more to it than that. So what I focus on as well is, you know, about our audience, you know what I mean? So it's the experience that the audience having, you know, it's not just about, oh, these slides look great. It's how we're using them. So what I focus on is something called the three pillars of PowerPoint which is uh, people, purpose, and the place. So first of all, we need to consider our audience. So we need to have a think about who they are. We need to think about, uh, you know, it could, we could be presenting to maybe the, the executive committee, for example. We could be um, we could be presenting in a school. You know, a lot of corporates have programs where you, you know, you go and, and you know, explain what you do as a day-to-day -day job, perhaps in the industry that you're in to high school students, for example, you know, and give it back to the community. You could be presenting to the public. You could be working for a, you know, government organization where you're presenting, you know, doing um, presentations to inform the, the public of what's happening. So we have to think about who it is we're presenting to. You know, we can't just have the same presentation for everybody because one presentation definitely isn't gonna fit all. So that's the first thing, thinking about the people that we're presenting to. And, and the reason for that is that we would create our slides very differently. You know, let's say if we've got 
let's say primary school children or very young children, we're going to want to have nice images, you know, not much text. They might not be able to read that well at that age. You know, these are all the things we have to consider rather than just making an assumption that, oh, these are slides we've used before. They'll be grand. You know, they'll be fine to use those. Have to think about the people. Then we've got the purpose. So why are we presenting? And I find that when I'm asking clients this, they often can't think of their why. OK, so, you know, if we're presenting, there's a reason why we're presenting. There's always a reason. Perhaps we're trying to get uh, perhaps we're trying to inform people of something. So it could be, um, say, in a corporate environment, we could be trying to inform them of a new um, performance management system. You know, so we don't want them to necessarily do much at the end of it. We just want them to absorb the information we're giving them in form. We could be trying to influence people. So, for example, we could be trying to influence them to maybe make this decision rather than this decision, you know, to go this way rather than this way. Perhaps we're trying to inspire them. Maybe we want them to take action and we're trying to inspire them to maybe it's joining the um, charity partner that we're working with this year. You know what I mean? And we want them to come on board and we want them to help out. We want them to volunteer to help out or maybe we want them to, uh, you know, come onto the social committee or something like that. There's always a reason, a purpose for us to present. And then we've got the place. So where we're presenting is very key as well. What I see quite frequently is people who are presenting and their slides aren't fit for purpose because they're probably presenting or, or the, the environment, the, the scenario I'm going to describe is where people are maybe at an event in a hotel type environment, maybe not a formal keynote speaker, but they've been asked to speak at an event. And we're in that type of environment. They've got slides up on the screen and there's text on the screen. And there's so much information on the slide that people can't read it. So I think that's one of the biggest things that we, we really need to think about the place we're presenting and, and adapt our slides for that. So we could be presenting in the boardroom and, you know, sometimes it's more of a kind of working presentation where we're presenting maybe to the executive committee, something like that, you know, and there's going to be a, a bit of to and fro in. We're going to be going to stop the presentation. We're going to have a discussion around that point, you know, uh, and go a bit deeper into that. But when we're standing up on stage and we're presenting, it's less likely to have that um, scenario. So really, the slides have got to be ones that our audience can read if there's any text to, to read there and that they can see. So I have sat through a presentation from a PR company and they had amazing photography because the uh, photography was all professional uh, photographers. So really high quality imagery. And they had one slide with, I think it was 12 images on one slide. And they started up in the, the top left-hand corner and they said, this is a picture, I think it was a ballerina, I think, I can't remember because I actually couldn't see it. And I was only sat about halfway back in that particular uh, environment. So they were talking about all these wonderful photographs. No one could see them. And it was such a shame because you, you could have had one image on each slide and we'd have been able to see them. You know, didn't need to have any text because if you're describing, you know, sometimes the imagery would say it all anyway. So that's really, really important. Um, probably one of the worst things I would see is people doing this where they're talking to the slide behind them rather than actually talking to their audience. So that's, I think, one of probably the worst things. And 
I know sometimes when we're presenting or if we're presenting in that type of environment, the you know, the, the conference type environment, maybe hotel type room, something like that, it can be difficult because we might not have, you know, we might not be able to see our notes. Maybe our laptop is somewhere else. But again, it's about thinking about that and, and being prepared for that so that we can so that we don't have to keep doing that. You know, maybe we have flashcards with a couple of points on, you know, so that we, we're looking at something rather than, you know, doing the doing the behind you bit. Maybe it's the way we actually structure our presentation. So perhaps we want to write our presentation in a way that we can remember it easily. But using something like the rule of threes, where you've got three points, it's easy for our audience to take those three points away. But it's also easy for us to remember those three points when we're delivering them, because it's quite easy to think, well, I've got that one, that one, that one. Um, alliteration, like my three pillars of PowerPoint with the three Ps, they're, they're easy to remember because they start with the same letter. And then that again, that's something that's easy for our audience to take away as well when we're presenting in, in that type of environment. So there's lots and lots of things that we can do. But I suppose the focus that I have with the training that I deliver and what I deliver for my customers is all about our audience and the audience experience, whoever that audience might be. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, that's really insightful, Fiona. And if, if you don't mind, I just want to uh, come back to the, the three uh, pillars of PowerPoint. Mm -hmm. And I can just I just know people listening to this, even though they may be using PowerPoint on a daily, weekly, monthly basis, whatever it is, and familiar with the, the, the tool. Um, but when you suddenly ask the question, well, are you really considering the people, the audience? Mm -hmm. Are you actually thinking about the purpose and what you're trying to deliver? Yeah. And are you thinking about the place? Um, you know, they're three very simple questions, but it makes you start to think about constructing this story in a very different way, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. I had a client who um, her business was to get graduates to come and work in Ireland, basically. That was that was the purpose. So she was visiting universities in Europe to try and get them to consider coming over to work in Ireland. And this person wanted to start their presentation off by introducing themselves. Okay, they had 10 minutes to present to a room full of um, students who were in their fourth year at university and were six months away from graduating. And they wanted to start off by introducing themselves, telling them how long they'd worked in the, this particular area, telling them their qualifications and going along this, this line and, and then starting to sell the, the idea. And I said, you'll probably lose them within the first two minutes because they're not interested in you and they're not actually interested in you. <laughs> it's a bit of a hard uh, a hard one to take, but they're not. They're, they're interested in what, what are you there for? You know what I mean? Um, so instead, I got her to do a little bit of visualisation. So she stood up, picture of um, the mortarboards being thrown up in the air. So picture of graduation. OK. And I got her to stand up or suggested and she did go along with this to ask them to close their eyes for a couple of minutes. And she then talked about, you know, it's your graduation day, you've graduated, you've all passed, this is amazing, you've been studying for four long years to get to this point. What does the future look like? Where are you gonna be working? What's your quality of life gonna be? Um, and the, what she was selling was um, the opportunity to, to work the, the days you wanted to work. So, you know, rather than being tied down to a full-time 
job where you're working, you know, nine to five or more, uh, five days a week, it was a case of you choose which days you want to week uh, to work. And, you know, you might only you might, might choose to have two weeks off and you can, or you might choose to work six days this week and earn more money to have the following week off. And you know, that was that was what she was selling. So what we tried to create was this, you know, the idea that she was trying that she was selling rather than who she was and what her background was. And at the end, she talked a little bit about, and, and I'm so-and-so, and I've been doing this for 15 years. So that gave her the credibility that then the audience would say, ah, oh, well, she does actually know what she's talking about because she's in this industry and she has that background, rather than being somebody that was selling a business idea and they didn't have the credibility. But that is so much more powerful than standing up and losing your audience within the first few minutes, because it's so easy to do that. You know, they've already drifted off and they're looking out the window and when's this going to be over and you know who's the next peaker coming on you know what I mean and also the other thing if you're doing something quite formal like that people know who, who you are because there's been some communication that you're speaking to them it's not like you've just got up on stage and nobody knows who you are you know what I mean so you don't actually need to say hi my name's Fiona and this is what I do people have, will have read that in the you know in the information or the you know whatever the invitation they've signed up for so they already know who you are it's more about what you're offering so you know it's about thinking yeah. how you can do that and again we went down the rule of three so we broke it down into into three three points that she was selling it was lifestyle i can't remember them off the top of my head now but it was lifestyle was one of them and you know choose to earn more money if you want to and live somewhere else go and you know come over to ireland and, and live in ireland and work here and you know see the world so, you know, she was selling three things, basically. Um, but, yeah, th th I think there's the temptation to stand up and introduce yourself or your business. And you've got to think, are your audience really interested in, in you and what you do? What you're yeah. what really interested in is what you can do for them. You know what I mean? It's a great point, Fiona, because as you say, you know, my name's X. I've been doing this for X amount of years. And we've all sat through those presentations yeah. that drone on. Mm -hmm. And you, your immediate thought in some cases is how many slides is the, what, how long are we going to have to go yeah. through this for? Yeah. And I think you're right by just reframing the beginning and reframing mm -hmm. it, thinking about it from the, the, the audience's point of view, yeah. it gets that immediate engagement. You can go back and do a little bit of credibility later on Absolutely. if required. Yeah. Uh, but that's such a great, simple example, isn't it? Of, of yeah. that. And the question I've got for you just on that is, uh, we often hear, don't we, that, uh, you know, a picture can speak a thousand words, you know, yep. and the images that people use in PowerPoint can be very, very powerful. And you touched on it there a little while ago. You were sort of saying, you know, and the slides are really busy and you can't really read it all. Or even if there's a great picture and then you can't see it because yep. they haven't utilized it enough. Mm -hmm. Is there a sort of rule of thumb that you work? Is it does it, again, depend on the purpose, depend on the outcome that you're trying to achieve? Um, or is there some sort of rule of thumb that you say, look, just don't do this and always try to aim for that? Or is it different for everything? I think you can have more information if, it, it, again, it depends what you're using it for. Let's say you're sending a PDF around to people, then, you know, you can have as much information as you want there. It, it could be a really complex infographic where it's maybe a project update. You know what I mean? Something like that, with loads of information in it. That's fine. Um, not so great to be presenting that. So it, it does depend on what you're doing with it, you know. Um, I suppose to answer the question, if you're presenting to a large audience in that type of environment, you want as little text as possible. And like you said, a picture tells a thousand words. So you might have one word 
on a slide and, and a picture that's that complements that message. And, and that's really important to get the right type of picture to go with that. Mm. With and regards to rules, I wouldn't say there's any rules as such. Mm. Um, probably stay away from bullets would be one that I would, <laughs> I would definitely go with. Um, I was listening to somebody recently talking and, and they were talking about why bullets, why we, why the brain doesn't like bullets, basically. And it's because the list goes down, whereas we read from left to right. So if we had sort of boxes of text across the page, so let's say five boxes of text, that is easier on our eye and for our brain to process because we, even though we're reading this little bit and this little bit and this little bit, we're going across the page rather than bullets that are going down. So even that is better for our brain to, to process. Um, and, and a very simple tip for that is very old as well, not, not anything you knew, but smart art, if you recall smart art, you can quickly put a bulleted list into blocks in smart art. And even if you make them all, uh, they don't have to be colored, you can make them clear, but then you've got your text, you know, in these different sort of boxes going across the screen and you can order them then maybe with an image behind or, or something which just makes it easier on the eye than, than the bullets going down the page. And another thing that I'd like to ask you, Fiona, is, you know, a lot of people listening to this, we focus very much on creatives and uh, leaders and thinkers. And, you know, this, this tool won't be uh, lost on many people, but it, it does range an awful lot from that solo entrepreneur who's trying to put their first pitch deck together yeah. Uh, trying to make a good impression, maybe trying to raise some capital initially, mm -hmm. or it could be, a, you know, a global organization where this presentation is going to be presented at a board level or at a buyer level. Yeah. It's worth millions and millions and millions of dollars. So mm -hmm. it, does that come back to those sort of three pillars, regardless of that use case? And the second part of that question, I know I'm throwing a little bit at you here, but the second part of the question is, obviously, as we've been through a pandemic and now a lot of people continue to work in a remote uh, environment, maybe a remote-only environment or a hybrid environment, has the nature of how we utilise these tools been impacted by that at all? Okay, so the first point, are we are we looking at the same rules for everybody from entrepreneur to large corporate? Yes, I think we are. I'm working with a semi-state organization at the moment in Ireland, and they would be, you know, they would have some of their leaders will be presenting at large conferences, like the ones, some of the ones we've just discussed. They're going to be presenting to, or in addition to that type of environment, they're also presenting uh, like public engagement type presentations with public. Um, they would also have some type of presentations where it might be a public engagement one, but maybe in a where a presentation is just running on a loop so someone can stand and, and just watch that loop running and they can read it you know at their own leisure so we still got to apply all those rules to that i mean the person presenting in a, a large conference which they would be they you know those rules still apply the person at a kiosk a member of the public reading it i've seen these type of presentations that so you can get basically it just runs automatically so you set the timing from one transition to another with it with the um um transitions and you can just run it on a loop and i've seen these type of presentations and i can't read it it's too fast for me to read so there is information on the slide so it wouldn't be one i'd be presenting to an audience because there's too much information but i'm standing in front of it you know in a, in a public environment they're trying to read it 
and it's too fast, so I can't read it. So what you'd actually need to do there is have somebody who hadn't seen the presentation before stand there and, and, and read it and go, yeah, next, and record that and use those timings for your presentation. So, you know, it really is, I, I think it does apply to all, all environments. Yeah, so that's the, that's the place element being really important yeah. there. Yeah, and what about yeah. the other the other part of the question, which is about this sort of online screen to screen? A lot of people are presenting remotely now rather than at a conference or in person. Yeah. yeah. So I think I think you can. Yeah, there's a couple of a couple of points here. One, I think you can have a little bit more information on the slide because, and and again, there's a there's a caveat here. I'm assuming that people are looking at it on their uh, their laptop or in front of a monitor. However, what if people are viewing from their phone because they're out, on, you know, out and about on the go? So that's something we need to think about. So again, this comes down to our audience: who are they and where are they watching? So maybe if it's a work environment and you know people are going to be sitting at their desks, even if it's at home, you know, you, you you're then assuming that they're on a laptop, so they've got bigger space to to view the presentation on. But if we're doing a, a, a webinar you know, where it's it's people, the audience, we don't know them, you know, maybe they're guests that are coming along, we don't know how they're viewing those. So they could be on the go and have it on their mobile phone. So what can they see on a mobile phone? Okay, so again, we've got to still think about that environment and our audience. Um, I think when we we probably need to bring, or we're not probably, we need to bring more interaction into it when it's a hybrid environment, or if it's purely online. I think less information on the slides then and, and probably moving from one slide to another quicker. Because if we stay on one slide for, we could have more, you know, there's, there's, there's an opportunity for people to see that information more and read that information. But at the end of the day, we want, still want to keep them engaged. So I would be thinking there of one message per slide and moving on quickly. So if you think six bullet points, six slides, you know what I mean? I mean, not that I'd be using bullet points anyway, but that, that's what people can relate to when I say six bullet points. I'd be talking of one one point per slide and, and moving on quickly from those. Um, I also think that we can get more engagement from tools like uh, some of the polling tools. So there's a really good one that works very well with PowerPoint called Poll Everywhere. And it's a really nice integration. So it goes right into a slide and you don't have to come out of PowerPoint. So if you were presenting, it doesn't matter what platform you're on. If you're presenting with PowerPoint, you've got a really good tool there where you can get people to you know, engage with you if you've larger audiences. Even using things like um, chat functions when we're, you know, getting people to to engage and, and to use those tools. And, and, you know, it's not necessarily related to PowerPoint, but it's still all that presenting piece, isn't it? That we perhaps we're going to ask questions in a different way. If we ask people, has anyone got any questions? There's a good chance they're going to say no and you know, head down, video off type environment. So, how else can we get engagement from people? Let's ask them to put something in the chat instead. They might be more likely to do that than you know, than ask a question out loud. And again, our audience, who are they? Do they know each other? You know, perhaps if it's people from the same team, we might have more engagement. If they're from a, all from a different team, they might not know each other. Um, as an example, I'm, I'm doing a training session next week, and it's through a government-funded organisation in Ireland. And there's 10 people on the training session, and they're from three different organisations. So some of the people might know each other, but I know for sure that they're not going, you know, they're not all going to know each other because they're from different organisations. So I have to approach that training session differently because 
if I start asking lots of questions, I'm probably not going to get a huge amount back only because that people might not want to share in front of other organizations and they, you know, they don't know each other. So we, we have to think about that as well. There's lots of different things we can do to try and, and help that engagement. Yeah. And I suppose as a PowerPoint specialist, from your point of view, um, that video takes up an awful lot of uh, time now because people are producing videos yeah. and some people then they'll stop a, a say a PowerPoint presentation um, and then they'll move to a video and then you watch them fumble about for the files and clicking it. And then yeah. other people will embed it into PowerPoint. Or I'm just wondering from your perspective, having worked with lots of organizations of all shapes and sizes, is there any sort of, um, uh, way that you think about video uh, in when it comes to presenting, whether it's online or in person, using yeah. some of the tools that we're talking about? Yeah, that's a great question. And again, that comes back to place. Because if you're presenting in an environment where there isn't good Wi-Fi and you've got an embedded video, say YouTube video, and you haven't got great Wi-Fi, you know, that's probably not going to play very well or it might not play at all, <laughs> which is a bit of an issue. So it really depends on, you know, our place. We have to think about that. Um, I like to see them embedded myself, whether that's an online video like YouTube or whether it's an actual video, because I just think it's it's nicer. It's, it's easier for the presenter. In PowerPoint, you can set the slides up so that when you go to the next slide, it will automatically start playing for you. A lot of people don't realize that. And then they're trying to actually, you know, with the mouse, trying to find, hang on, where's the play button? They don't need to do that. They can set it to play automatically, which is great. If it's a YouTube video, you've got to wait a couple of seconds for it because it's it's got to just catch up with you, but it will start automatically. Uh, with YouTube, you have to be careful, though, if it's embedded, because after the video is played, you'll get the YouTube screen is up. And if you're not sure what you're doing, you could click on another video and then start playing that video. Um, the way to get around that is just a return on your keyboard or next page from your keyboard rather than from the mouse, because otherwise then people click on, on another video. And I suppose that's another area that I focus on, the presenting piece, not just how to make slides. It's how to make sure people can present and use the tool properly to have that confidence, I suppose, to be able to start a presentation. And a bit like you said there about fumbling. I often, and I, I be in presentations or in, in meetings, online meetings, even in-person meetings, and someone's starting a presentation and, and, and you can almost see that 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 nervousness starting and that, you know, I can't start it quick enough. So there's even, you know, it's even using some of the keyboard shortcuts. Like F5 will start, and again, this is different on a laptop because sometimes the laptop function keys aren't quite the same. But if you're in your home environment and you've got a keyboard in front of you, F5 will start your PowerPoint presentation from the first slide. And Shift and F5 will start it from the slide you're on now. So if you're partway through, Shift and F5 will start it from that slide. So even knowing those tips and those tools can make a huge difference to the presenter when they're presenting to give them a bit more confidence. Yeah, and you were sort of talking about that earlier when you are saying, you know, you're not having to look over your shoulder all the time and you're almost reading the slides and people are looking at your back. <laughs> and it's kind yeah. of, it's not a great experience, right? I know nope. in TV production or, you know, you, you don't look away from the camera because the yeah. audience has nothing to focus on. Yeah. Uh, I know it's slightly changed a little bit depending on the style that things are filmed in these days. But 
Um, I think, yeah, the, the way things are presented is a whole other area, isn't it, that yeah. people need training on uh, yeah. rather than just this, it's just about the tools. And then they get comfortable with the tools and they miss the fact that maybe they need to upskill a little bit about how they present. Yeah. yeah. And it's funny because I've worked with quite a few um, trainers recently. So entrepreneurs, you know, it's just themselves in the business. And I'm coming across people where they're training with just a laptop. And I find that I think really, if, if this is my view, if you're in the training environment and you're training from home office or, or what have you, I really think you need to have a second screen. Because trying to train on a laptop, you've got a small, small area. And I, I would find that very difficult. So I have two monitors and a laptop. So I can have, you know, full of everything dashboard in front of me. I could have Zoom on one screen. I could have a presentation on a second screen. I could have the chat, up, you know, popped out on another screen. Um, you know, it's all the way that you manage that can, can make it better so that you can see people as well. So, for example, if I'm training in Zoom, I would be sharing my screen. So it depends on what I'm doing. I'm not usually presenting as such. I'm sharing PowerPoint. So it's my desktop usually rather than a presentation. But you can set everything up so that when you start sharing, you're just sharing your slideshow. So your audience isn't seeing your desktop, isn't seeing you starting the presentation, you know. Um, and little things like popping your the, the, the thumbnail video of your audience underneath your camera so that if somebody asks a question, their name will come up, even if they haven't, don't have the camera on and it's uh, you're just a black screen, it will show their name. So that if I was in a training session and people haven't got their cameras on, and, and that's okay, you know, not everybody's in a position to have the camera on all the time, I'll see the name come up. So then I can say, thanks, Simon, that's great. Thanks very much for that question. And that's all part of the engagement that I know who I'm talking to. And I can use your name so that you feel like, you know, you're getting, you feel like I'm, I, I know who I'm talking to and using your name personally rather than like, sorry, who asked that question? And, you know, all, all this sort of thing. So it's just that sort of thing as well to make it more professional if, if we're presenting online. I think that makes a huge difference knowing who it is that's asked the question. Because if you're not, let's say, in a training environment where it's a once off and I haven't met those people before, I'm not going to recognize their accent. You know what I mean? I, I've probably gone through and got them to introduce themselves and what they do and what they want to get out of the session. So I've made some notes. So when it says that Michael's come up, I'm like, oh, yeah, so Michael's doing that. And that's what he does with PowerPoint. And, you know, I'd know a bit more about his environment and what he's presenting, you know, what he's doing with PowerPoint so that I it puts the question in context. So even little things like that can make a huge difference to how we're presenting and how we're, you know, engaging with people online. Well, that, that's wonderful, Fiona. I think we give people a lot to think about there and maybe they'll uh, think a little bit about PowerPoint a little bit differently or a little bit about presenting a yeah. little bit differently and obviously empower presentations and you, your ability to empower uh, people yes. through this magic <laughs> of PowerPoint. Uh, I think that's that's very important. And I think, you know, there's been some great information there. And I think we get, we kind of get a little bit blasé about it. We kind of think we know it. And then when when you start listening again, even though some of the information might be basic, uh, it might be straightforward and common sense, but it makes you go, yeah, probably need to improve in that area a little bit, you know. <laughs> uh, but look, I want to change gear a little bit. and I, I do like to ask uh, people that are on the show a little bit about their own learning style. Um, so when you're not busy teaching or presenting, um, what, how do you stay up to date with all these 
changes in the tools that you're using, all the technology developments? Are you reading books? Are you scouring the internet? Are you attending training courses yourself? How do you learn? What do you like to onboard from an information perspective? I'm a keen reader. Um, I've always liked reading. And I suppose since I started my business three years ago, I've started reading more business books or more information books rather than novels. I used to like historical novels and, and things like that, but I've shifted now. So I only read more factual books. Um, and I set myself a goal this year, actually, to read um, or to do a book review each month. So I'm doing 12 book reviews this year, um, posting those on LinkedIn as well. So it's given me some accountability to make sure that I uh, keep going with those. But yeah, books, love reading books. I'm very old fashioned. I have paper books as well. I can't do ebooks, I'm afraid. <laughs> Just find uh, real books that I like. I... Are you one of these people now because you've changed the, the, the material type? Are you making notes in the in, in the margins or are you are you just um, traditionally reading, you know, just reading the book, you know, full attention? Full attention. I'm, I'm one no. of these people that reads at the speed that I speak at. So I read quite slowly, which means right. I take it all. I can't do speed reading. Maybe there's a course I could do on that. But, uh, <laughs> um, but I have the little post-it tabs, you know, the little tiny ones that you can stick in a page so that I can, you know, go back and say, oh, yeah, that's the bit that I'm interested in. I don't like writing in them because I feel like I'm damaging them a little bit. So I don't write in them, but I, I do have the little sticky note things all over it so that I can flick through. Very them. good. Very good. That's the one bit I'm interested in. Um, I do like to research things as well, though. Um, you know, so I like to try try things, play around with things. I also like to listen to or, or speak to other people and see what they're using and how they're getting on with things. So I love to have chats with people and, and find out what they're doing with something or how they're using, you know, say ChatGPT or, you know, AI, that sort of thing. I like to find out from people what they're doing with it to give me ideas of what I can play around with. Um, with regards to learning, I'm... I'm a bit of a lifelong learner. I'm always doing one course or another, not actually doing anything at the moment, but <laughs> but I'm one of these people. There's always something that I'm uh, looking at or, or about to embark on. Um, but with regards to upskilling, there are a few. Um, what would you say? Uh, so the sort of presentation and PowerPoint type summits. So there's one at uh, the end of uh, this month, actually, which is in uh, Europe that I'm attending. So that's a hybrid one, but I'm doing the online one. Um, there's also a um, presentation summit in the US, which I'm hoping to go to later this year, which is uh, where most of the PowerPoint MVPs, which is the most valued professional, Microsoft, um, I'll say it's a it's it's given out by Microsoft, so you don't you can't sit an exam to get it. You're given awarded, should we say, one of these certifications for giving back to the community. So a lot of people that are Microsoft or PowerPoint MVPs would be at that um, summit. So I'm hoping to go to that as well this uh, this year. All been well. Very good, very good. I didn't know about that. That's that's great. Mm. Um, the other thing I want to ask you, Fiona, if I can, is about um, people that are, you admire, people that have inspired you, or even people that have given you a little bit of help along the way. That might be in terms of advice or advice that you offer to others. But when I ask you that question, what, what springs to mind? What springs to mind? I've been lucky enough to have a few fantastic mentors, actually. Um, one of them, it was one of your previous guests, actually, Simon uh, Haig. So he was a mentor. I started in some mentorship with Simon um, about two and a half years ago and kept in touch with Simon. So he's uh, been really, really helpful. 
And I've another mentor locally as well who is not in uh, not an entrepreneur himself, but just somebody that's uh, really, really um, been very, very helpful to me that I that I meet for for coffee. And it's funny because I never really saw him as a mentor until I was chatting to somebody the other day, and I thought, yeah, I've actually got myself a mentor without really trying to find a mentor, but just somebody that I bounce ideas off and that gives me advice regularly, and it's really, really helpful to uh, to, to have that. But I think it's all about, and I think being in business as well, it's all about relationship building so important and it's probably something that I never realized until I maybe set up my own business and then realized that you know people are buying from people they're not buying necessarily what you're selling it's 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 you that they're interested in most of the time and it's so important to put yourself out there and to network and I'm an introvert so it's not something that I would have considered myself maybe confident enough at so it's something I really had to put myself out there to do, but I really enjoy it now. Really enjoy going out to events and meeting people. And it's even, you know, online sometimes as well, having chats with people. So I think that's probably um, the, the advice bit would be go out there and network. But even I think if you're not in business, even if you're in a corporate environment, there's so much that can be gained by networking and my younger self probably wouldn't have realized the importance of that. Well, that's great advice. And thanks for sharing. Uh, I, we did have Simon on the show, of course, a uh, great guy. And uh, thanks for sharing both your mentors and uh, also for, you know, discussing that important topic, because to some people, networking doesn't come easy, you know, particularly if you're, you're an introvert, you know, it can take a lot of energy out of you, that type of activity. Yeah. Um, so it, it is nice and thanks for sharing that because uh, I think it's good advice and it is funny how I was talking to somebody very recently Fiona about how certain things at certain points in your life pennies kind of drop and the cogs kind of turn and you go oh yeah yeah um, and you know sometimes you say why didn't I know that earlier or uh, how could I have missed that you know and I, it doesn't matter what the, what the topic is it doesn't matter it's that certain things happen for at different points in your life don't they and I think yeah. Yeah, that's great advice in terms of building that sort of community of people. Yeah, uh, because it sort of goes past the job title; it goes past the the the, the current ups and downs, and you're yeah. building community and relationships. I think it's such an important point that you've made. Yeah, and I think I had a bit of a self limiting belief as well when I set up my business, and it was that I'm not from Ireland, so I don't know many people, and I had to get over that because that's not actually true. <laughs> You know, I look at other people and I'm like, well, you're not from Ireland either. And you're really successful and you've got a great business. So, <laughs> but it was just this little uh, little voice yeah. on my shoulder telling me, well, you don't know anybody, but you don't know anybody. Um, and I think that's what made me focus on the networking. You know, it's brilliant that you've said that because it's so true, isn't it? You know, sometimes the things that we set, tell ourselves, mm. they are self-limiting beliefs. They are things that we construct in our head and we tell yeah. ourselves so often. And they're yeah. just not true, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, thanks for <laughs> thanks for sharing that. But look, the last thing I want to ask you uh, before we come to a close here is about the future. It's about things that you're hoping to achieve, or maybe just how you go about planning. Like you mentioned, you know, you've got a couple of uh, events coming up. For example, you're obviously training clients all the time. But do you look forward on a six, twelve month basis? How does it work for you and your business and your life at this moment in time when it comes to planning, Fiona? I tend to do it on a quarterly basis. 
Uh, I have got more longer term plans, but at the moment it's more of a quarterly basis. Um, I I found the first first quarter of this year was very much uh, operational, uh, and now I'm more into things have slowed down a little bit now, and I'm more into growth and and how to 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 grow the business. Uh, but I tend to do quarterly. I find that works quite well for me. Um, I suppose my 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 plans for the business are to offer. I do a bit of design work, but that I can only do a certain amount of that. So I'm I'm planning to build more of um, I suppose like an agency type model where I can outsource some of the design work that people come to me for and still be able to offer that to to clients. So that would be more my longer term plan. But I think for me, it, 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 it's I find it very difficult to do the longer term planning. I have to say I'm more of a shorter shorter term planner. <laughs> Well, it's good because, I, again, a couple of people I've been speaking to only very recently, in recent weeks, we've been talking a lot about seasons and planning for seasons, four seasons a year, for example, or yeah. planning, you know, the quarter in advance and people really yeah. shifting to that model. Yeah. Uh, not that it, it isn't important to think longer term, mm. uh, but being able to adjust, being maybe a little bit more agile than we yeah. have been in the past, a bit more flexible, yeah. a bit more prepared yeah. for things that may happen. And also what you said about content production and design type, uh, um, that, of course, makes perfect sense because before you can present anything, you need to know what it is, what it's going to look like. And I'm sure you get lots of requirements for content. So that's an interesting development. Mm, Yeah, yeah. And do you know, it's really good to do. I I, I like creating presentations for people as well because I think you need to keep your hand in. You know, if you're just training people, it's different to training people than actually creating as well so I like to do a bit of both but but I, but I do get people coming to me where I maybe can't do it for the timeline that they're looking for it's maybe short turnaround and I, I have training sessions booked so I can't do it so I suppose there's that's the opportunity that I'd like to explore to see about you know building that part of the business up sounds exciting and look that's a great point for us to bring this uh, episode to a close on so thanks very much to Fiona thanks to everybody who's been watching or listening to our discussion today around the world. Uh, Make sure that you like, follow, subscribe, do everything I need you to do to help support this podcast. And I hope that you'll join me back here for some more discussions with some more creatives and leaders and thinkers. But thank you, Fiona. Thanks for joining me today. Thanks for sharing your wisdom. And if people want to get in touch with you, where's the best place for them to connect with you? Best place to get me is on LinkedIn. So you'll find me, it's Fiona Walsh one or Fiona and PowerPoint and you'll you'll definitely find me that way very good all right well thank you Fiona it's been a pleasure thank you very much